2: Yes, good evening everyone. We're now into Time On on Monday, May 24. I'm Sam Edmond. I hope you've had a
3: great day.
2: If it's been a typically hectic one, you're just getting in the car, the train, the bus, or in fact if you're lucky enough to have just got home from work, we're about to bring you up to speed on the latest developments in the AFL and the wider world of sport. We like to think of this as your one-stop shop for the next hour. hour. And if you haven't had the chance yet to have your say today on something from the weekend that has stayed with you or left an impression on you, the lines are open here. All show 1300 736 736. Or on the temper text 0433 98 11 16. On the Twitterverse, you can catch us at time on... S E N, but as we do each and every Monday at this particular time, we start things off with the bulletin board. Well, tomorrow night is going to be huge at the AFL Tribunal. Carlton, Gold Coast and Richmond all challenging match review Officer Michael Christian's findings for incidents involving Lockie Ploughman, Nick Holman and Marlon Pickett, respectively. Phil Mickelson has completed one of golf's most unthinkable comeback stories, becoming the oldest winner in major history when he took out the PGA Championship by two strokes earlier this morning. At the ripe old age of 50, Fabulous Phil claimed his sixth major after surviving, well, a pretty nervy final round 73 to post six under for the tournament. And he held off South Africa's Louis Ousheisen and a misfiring Brooks Kepka at Kiowa Island in South Carolina.
3: Here it is. Biggest moment of a legendary career. Phil defeats Father Time. He's taken major championship golf to a place it's never been.
2: Well, it was a massive night in the English Premier League. At the end of day 38, Chelsea fans were thanking the football gods and Leicester supporters were crushed. Both were chasing the single Champions League seat for next season. Leicester, well, they had to beat Spurs and hope Chelsea lost to Aston Villa. Chelsea did lose 2-1, but they were saved by Spurs' incredible comeback win over Leicester, fighting back from 2-1 down with three goals in the final 20 minutes, including this one from Gareth
0: Bale.
1: Kane, Sientu slides in. Kane, can he score it?
0: Oh, the angle got too difficult. He's done it. It's Gareth Bale off the bench. Spurs lead for the first time today. Absolutely incredible.
2: Max Verstappen has won his maiden Monaco Grand Prix, coasting to victory from pole position after Ferrari pace setter Charles Leclerc was unable to start the race with a dodgy gearbox.
0: Oh, no.
3: The gearbox, goes.
2: Not only will Charles Leclerc not start from pole position, he will not start the Monaco Grand Prix at all. So Verstappen wins and he now takes over the championship lead from Lewis Hamilton and he did take the opportunity to take a little swipe at the Brit too, saying his actions speak louder than words after Lewis said before the race that Max perhaps feels he has a lot to prove. NBA Atlanta Hawks star Trey Young led his side to a two-point win on the road over the New York Knicks in game one of their first round series, silencing Madison Square Garden and then Trey told them all about it too. Been in the stages. I mean when you're I mean, in the zone and uh,
4: everybody's chanting FU. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all had that, but uh, I've had it a couple of times. I had it in college and I had it again tonight. So, I mean, it, it got real quiet at the end. And uh, for me, uh, I wanted to hear those FU chants again.
2: Let's grab a jumper, shall we? We're in this together for the next hour on Time On. 1-300-736-736. Or as I said, the temper text machine, 0 98 11 16 On Twitter, we can be found at Time On. What stirred you over the weekend in sport? What angered you? What excited you? And what did you love? On the show this evening, we'll have the Coach's Corner, the very best of the post-match press conferences from across the weekend. And we'll present the Magoos report. Injuries, gee whiz, are they still raging? Ten rounds into the season remain a massive talking point in the competition. So we'll bring you up to speed on who is putting their hands up in the second-tier competitions across the VFL, Waffle and Sandford. We'll also close out the show with our regular segment, What Grinds Your Gears. It's your chance to get something off your chest that you've stewed on all Monday. Work and life has got in the way. We'll we'll play counsellor to whatever is grinding your gears from the weekend a little later in the show. I've got one I need to part with a little later as well. But let's start with this. The AFL has tonight admitted umpire error in the dramatic final stages of Adelaide's one-point win over Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval on Saturday afternoon. Of course, you know by now. Adelaide's Nick Murray handballed the ball over the boundary line from well outside the goal square with, what, 27 seconds remaining perhaps? At the very least, Melbourne would have tied the game with a shot from the boundary line that never came. Now, the non-decision has been widely criticised in the 48 hours since with former AFL umpire Matt Head even tweeting in umpiring terms, that's a clanger. But a statement from AFL HQ tonight reads like this. It was the view of the umpire in real time from his angle that there was a player in the vicinity and as such decided to call a throw-in. Upon video review, it was deemed the player did not display sufficient intent to keep the ball in play. Now, this AFL clarification, of course, comes after the league has already twice this year conceded mistakes in the 24 hours after um, the match has been decided. Umpiring boss Dan Richardson Obviously conceded Zach Bailey should have won a holding the ball free in the narrow loss to Geelong early in the season and that Jeremy Cameron should have been paid a mark in the loss to Sydney. There have been a few this year, haven't they? Non-decisions that have come at the death of some very tight games.
3: A tackle,
5: Cameron. They're desperate. There's bodies flying everywhere. It's rushed through for a behind. How do you get rid of that, Hunter? I don't know, Jared. Kane's all go.
4: I think he's got a point. He just let it go. And Collajazny will soak up the last of the seconds. Close with a high chipper. Can they mark it? They can. It's Cameron in the pocket. Did it travel enough? What are they doing? They're throwing it in. Ball thrown back in. Can the Swans hang on or can
0: the cats grab it
4: late? Right bottom. He's tackled by Selwood. Siren! Sockers at four to hind. The Bombers are on here. Hind will kick inside four of fifty, but they got the mark. No, it's been scored by Taylor. Play on. Himmelberg has it
2: at half back. The Giants lose out though. The clearance kick. forward. siren sounds. The siren beats the Bombers. <laughs> the Clearing kick comes out. Thirty-three seconds to go. This is their last one.
1: Tippen Woody's got a couple, so too Jones. Inside forward, 50. Lob rises! I would have paid that mark. Mark every day of the week. Not
4: paid in the end, and now there's a scrap 35 metres out. Demand pushing it forward.
2: There's the siren. The bombers break through. It was a grind, it was a tussle. Ball at the back of the pack. Murray's there. He goes towards the boundary line. That's got to be a free kick. It's got to be a free kick. That's deliberate. Oh, fair, Deegan, that they've is been deliberate in any book. They've been robbed on two occasions, Melbourne. They should have received a holding the ball. That's two they've been robbed.
4: Ball thrown back in. Grundy goes to ground under the contact of Laddams, but the play allowed to go on.
2: Quainor has got no choice but to go quickly, trying to barrel. It's not going to come off for of Collingwood.
3: There it is. Port have hung
2: on by a point. Jeez, it's been an eventful 10 rounds, have not it? Hasn't it? Those incidents or non calls? Zach Bailey, Jeremy Cameron in order. This is Cale Hooker, Toby Green, Rory Lobb, Nick Murray, obviously, the one we've highlighted from the weekend and Brody Grundy laid on in the Collingwood Port Adelaide game as well. Jared's over in the City of Churches. I wonder what he made of uh, the clarification and the non-decision on the night on Saturday. Thanks for joining us on Time On, Jared. Thanks for having me, Sammy. Um, I was just thought, I wanted to have a-
4: Two things. The holding the ball rule. When the umpire deems that the players had prior opportunity, he should be blowing his whistle straight away when he gets tackled. Because at the moment, they get tackled and they still give him like half a second or a second to get rid of it. They should be holding the ball straight away.
2: Yeah. Surely. Yeah, so you're referring obviously to the one that preceded Nick Murray was, of course, Ben Keys, wasn't it? And and Petraka ripped the ball out of his grasp, didn't he? You got the impression that if he just didn't do that, it might have eventually the whistle might have come for holding the ball, but clearly he gave him a long, long time, didn't he, the umpire?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Like if he's made his decision and said right he's prior, as soon as he gets tackled, if he gets rid of it or doesn't get rid of it, it should be holding the ball.
2: Yep. Yeah. Like,
4: yeah, It's a bit that's of a my, shame. That's my that's my understanding.
2: It's a bit of a shame because unfortunately, it does take. We don't want this to happen, but it takes a bit away from Adelaide. Who were magnificent on the night. Gee, they moved the ball well, and um, and I think deserved the victory over the course of the four quarters. They were fantastic. It's a shame these couple of umpiring non decisions have overshadowed what was a tremendous win. At least on on this side of the border, perhaps I'm sure they're delighted over there in Adelaide. Thanks for your time, Jared. Jack is also in Adelaide. What'd you make of it all, Jack?
4: Hey, Sammy. Thanks for taking my call, mate. Uh, yeah, the Crows got out of trouble, didn't they? They uh, they got out of trouble big time. I think with your previous caller there, like I'm an umpire myself, and the rule state, you know, if he's had prior and he's tackled, he must immediately handball or kick it. And I think they do let the players have three or four seconds too long to kick mm. it or handball it. It's the only sport, I reckon, in the world, like you look at basketball and even soccer, where all through the grades, the rules and the interpretations are pretty Similar, whereas AFL you go state to state, league by league, and the rules and interpretations seem to differ. You know, especially AFL, they seem to change week by week, um, um, and it just is one of those sports that that that's going to be the the ultimate um, frustration. I wanted to get you, your thoughts, though. Is there ever going to be a time when you know maybe not for holding the balls, but for those deliberate out of bounds? Should it just be where in between the arcs it should be last touch and in the 50s perhaps the throw-in, or they have an independent guy where the blatant and obvious ones they can radio down to the umpire to get it right?
2: Has been talked about, Jack, hasn't it, the last touch? I know it's uh, been trialled in various second-tier competitions in the Sandfall as well, sort of around the country. Oh, geez, I think it's a slippery slope. I know using it for disposals, pure disposals over there rather than balls being fumbled over the line. I think they've just got to get the calls right. They, they've got to hold their nerve. They've been calling that all year. They were calling uh, insufficient intent in this Melbourne-Adelaide game for 40-metre kicks that slewed off the side of the boot. So I just think they've just got to get the call right. Uh, off the text, an early grind my gears is when the AF Come out and say a wrong call was made in the last few minutes. What's the point of it? Why not just have an internal review and move on to next week? I like the fact the AFL do this. They put their hand up. I know they were wrestling with it today and yesterday about, you know, undermining the umpires and maybe coming out on top of them and smashing them. But I mean, I like the clarity. They don't make a habit of it week to week. There has been a few this year. I think it's good they put their hands up and acknowledge that the umpires, like all of us, make mistakes from time to time. We're asking for clarity, and we're getting it. Uh, thanks for the call, Jack. Marcus is in Endeavour Hills. Marcus, what have you made of the non-decision and the AFL clarification moments ago that the umpire got it wrong? Uh, hey, Sammy, how
4: you going? Good, thanks. No, it's good. Oh, look, I'm I'm a deep fan, and I know I shouldn't be so selfish. You know? We're 9-1, we're in a good position, but... I just keep playing back that last probably five minutes and I'm just filthy. Like, Petty, it was holding the ball and then it was deliberate at the end. And I just think to myself, why can't umpires make these massive calls in the last decision? My mate, you know, my friends go, oh, no, no, home ground advantage. They're too scared to do it. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Every game this year where it's been so close and the umpires made the wrong call, why can't they just make those big decisions, you know? what if something like this happened in a grand final? And it, everyone would be spewing. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's a sad thing because I just don't want the sport to be ruined like that,
2: you know? Yeah, Marcus, 10-0 and 0 had a very nice ring to it, didn't it? Uh, sadly, not to be. And um, winning just creates the urge to have more winning. So I can understand your feelings. Actually, Aaron's just in, Sam, after listening to that montage of controversial calls, Surely the captain's call should be gathering momentum. The captain's call. What Aaron's referring to there is obviously the captain gets the chance to challenge a decision, maybe in red time or in the, a, a certain period of time before the final siren, if uh, he deems fit. Thanks for the call, Marcus. Dean is in Elwood. Welcome to Time On There, Dean. Good day, Sammy. How are you? Hey, I'm going well. Mate, first of all,
6: Carlton wins. great to have a win against Hawthorne, which is just We've had about three and 20 years, so it was great to see that. But um I wanted to talk about Phil Mickelson. It was just wire to wire, 50 years old, <laughs> golf's never been deeper, really tough course. Um, led, you know, had problems yesterday, went bogey, double bogey, thought he'd slip away, but to hold on, it was just a... Uh, just a a masterclass in concentration and focus. It was it was amazing. So it was actually a really good tournament on TV.
2: It was amazing, wasn't it? And Dean, what did you make of the scenes on the 18th there, when it looked as though they'd lost complete and utter control of the crowd there? That it looked like it was going to consume Phil Mickelson. I know Brooks Koepka was unhappy about it. Copped a few knocks to that uh, that dicey knee of his. It looked as though for a time it was uh, it was going to get a little bit hairy.
6: Yeah, well, like they were they were really loose. I was talking about them on Sunday down in a, it's like a tourist resort down in the <laughs> south. But on Saturday they were loose, and they were really loose. It was it was like it was great scenes. I think it's great when they crowd around. They do it in the British Open as well, but it, it adds an atmosphere. But um, yeah, it was actually just a really good tournament to see him win it though to go to six it, it, and to go to to win six majors and go to fifty. It puts him in a whole another stratosphere and conversation if you're a golf fan It's uh, another level. So, you know, half of
2: Flint. No, good on you, Dean. It was a magical morning, and congratulations to Phil Mickelson. Off the temper text, there's a clear theme here, which is that the umpires put the whistle away. If it is a free kick in minute one, then it's a free kick in minute 120. Before we get to the break, we've got enough time to get at uh, the Sunshine, where we find Jono. Jono, what's on your mind?
5: You yeah, know, Sam, I'm, uh, I'm just a bit concerned that Everyone wants a rule change every week and everyone's got an issue with every week. This, game, this game's this game been played for so many years and it's just getting to the point now that every time there's a controversial um, decision or whatever, which has been going on for over 100 years, everyone wants a new rule change. And do you know what? If you're going to do that, you might as well play the game and then just have someone to analyse the game after the game and just point out what's wrong and just award the game to someone because it's actually getting a bit of a joke. The reason this game is so hard to umpire now and the pressure is so much on the umpires is because there's continual umpire uh, rule changes and it's, it's just got to stop. We just need to stop and take a breath and just get... Let's bed down the rules that we've got so there's no controversy and they can get used to doing what they have to do. It's It's just... It's actually getting away from the game now. I can understand the Melbourne supporters being upset on the weekend. I can understand every other one. Every aspect of the media calls every every free kick that's not there. Now, as a controversial free kick, you know what? It's not the game. You know what's happening? It's being controlled by the media and everything else. And you know what? It needs to stop. The AFL has to stop changing the rules... On the run every year because it's got to bed down the rules that it brings in, and they don't give it a chance to bed down because they bring in rules to counter the rules they brought brought in.
2: Good on you, John O. Appreciate your call. Your message getting through loud and clear. I appreciate the grand old day nature of it all. Holding the ball comes up this time each and every year. No surprise, it is one of the most complex rules in sport. To be honest, so wide open to interpretation from one person and one umpire to the next. But, look, at the end of the day, the debate around it all makes the footy world go around. Uh... (laughs) plenty of Collingwood supporters reminding us that uh, these sorts of non-decisions do happen in Grand Finals and 2018 coming through loud and clear on on Maynard who was clearly, we're told, blocked from a marking contest. Look, ultimately that should have been a free kick, wouldn't it? And Dom Sheed wouldn't have had that magical shot at goal. Plenty of Collingwood supporters sparking up on that one. Look, there's plenty to get through tonight on time on. There's going to be a massive night at the MRO, uh, the Tribunal rather, tomorrow. You're welcome to have your say on all of those. The Collingwood petitioned a an extraordinary general meeting will rage on for another week. So that petition board will go around uh, next Saturday at the MCG before um, the uh, the forces there at play. David Hatley, the long-time Pies member, takes those sets of numbers to the president, Mark Corder. The Western Bulldogs, well, they've got Adam Trelaw in for surgery on that syndesmosis injury tonight. So he's under the knife as we speak. And St Kilda, a big part of our menu on time on tonight as well. Just how far have the Saints fallen from just a dozen games ago? They eliminated the Western Bulldogs from the Premiership race. I wouldn't mind talking about the Saints on the other side of this break as well. So, Greg in Blackburn, Brad, Paul, John, who's in the city in Melbourne here, Hamish and Glenn, sit tight. We'll get to you on the other side of this break. We're off and running on a big time on. You're welcome to join us as well. 1300 736 736. We'll be back
1: right after this. It's time on. what it is and what it
5: uh look i think it's still one of those areas that we're still finding our way in as as a game what do you think
2: yeah simon goodwin there the melbourne coach saying plenty with really not saying much at all which is exactly what he intended greg's in blackburn greg welcome to time on well and the ones you love
6: well um One thing, um, I I got up and watched the golf today. Uh, Phil Mickerson's shot out of the bunker on the fifth was unbelievable. It's probably won in the match. And secondly, um, I'm a really passionate Melbourne supporter. And um, they deserve to lose that game. And and not enough been put on Tex Walker. That goal from the boundary was unbelievable. But that mark he took about two inches off the ground with 47 seconds to go and slotted it was also unbelievable. So, you know, there's checks and balances in the game. And their play through the uh, middle of the field was also scintillating. So good on them and we deserve to lose, actually.
3: Yeah,
2: Greg, I'm I'm sort of with you there. I think Tex Walker caught Stephen May out, didn't he? Definitely got the better of that duel. Stephen May's been so good this season, but he definitely had an off night uh, or an off afternoon on Saturday. And as I said off the top, you've got to admire the Crows' ball movement. They were really aggressive with it. Melbourne have probably been slightly off the boil in the last few weeks. But, I mean, getting the wins on the board, which good sides do, they're going to have to raise it up a notch, aren't they, though, this uh, weekend. Huge game against the Western Bulldogs. So, uh, looking forward to that one. 1v2 on the ladder. Thanks for the call, Greg. Off the text quickly, what is the point of the AFL coming out and telling us the decision is wrong? Stop treating football fans like imbeciles. The true imbeciles are working at AFL House. I think they're doing the opposite by coming out and admitting they got it wrong. To not come out and not admit they got it wrong would be treating fans like imbeciles. I actually think you got that totally the wrong way around. Brad's in uh, Point Cook. Brad, you want to talk about the umpiring as well?
6: Yeah, mate, uh, just quickly. How long did that game go for the Adelaide melbourne game?
2: Oh, I don't have the exact length of time yeah, in front of me, but you're, yeah, you're yeah, insinuating but that well, went for a long at. time.
6: No, what I'm, what I'm getting at is, okay, there was one or maybe two decisions. How many decisions were made in the 119 minutes before it
4: yep,
1: yep.
6: that could have affected it if it was made? And Adelaide could have been three goals up if it had been made. Of or course. Melbourne could have been... Of now, course. Now, same so with my colleagues with a supporter, mate Brodie Grundy, was it a free kick? Who cares? We should have won the game Kick kicked four goals uh, after quarter time again. Didn't deserve to win it. Like, so to all the Melbourne supporters, you didn't deserve to win the game anyway, as the previous caller said, because you were outplayed by a much better side on the night. Did the, did the umpire, and who wants to say you put, wouldn't have put the ball out of bounds on the floor anyway, under pressure with after the siren. So, sorry, but suck it up. Yes, the decision was wrong, but how many were wrong or right during the 120 minutes before it?
2: Good on you, Brad. A point well made. You mentioned Brody Grundy there in that uh, last comment, which I think is what Hamish wants to talk about in Fulham Gardens. Hamish, you watched the, the Port Pies game? Yeah, I did, Sammy. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Thanks for ringing in.
0: That's good. A uh, very good call by Brad in that last call. I just wanted to mention, I actually hope it was a free kick against Grundy because the umpires were so bad for the whole game that it doesn't really matter. You know, like, you highlight one free kick out of a whole game, I actually really hope it was. And I hope it was dead set in the back so that they can look at it and say, you know what, they've got to actually look at the whole game instead of just one yep. set in that whole period
5: Great
2: call by Brad before it as well. Yeah. That was all. Thanks, they, mate. Thanks for the call, Hamish. They do. I can tell you, they might not do it publicly, but privately the umpires do go through each and every decision, certainly the contentious ones, um, in their reviews. And their reviews are extremely thorough. I've seen it. Nothing gets glossed over. They get feedback at quarter time, half time, three-quarter time, post-game, during the week at training. So don't worry, they're held to account. Just because we don't hear about uh, a particular decision in the public forum doesn't mean it doesn't get discussed. Thanks for your call. Um, Glenn's in Glen Waverley. Glenn, you want to talk about deliberate or, as it is now known, insufficient intent? Thanks for your time. In the public forum
6: doesn't mean it doesn't get discussed.
2: Thanks for your call. Just turn your radio down there, Glenn. Can, have you got us? you want to talk about deliberate or... We might come back to we might come back to Glen uh, when he gets yeah, himself. Yeah, can you hear me, mate? Sort Are you there, Glen? You turn your radio down. Yeah, sorry. You hear me? Yep, yeah, far away, mate. Hello. You're on the air, Glen. Far away. Hello. Uh. We'll come back to Glenn. Let's go to Tommy in South Australia. Tommy, you want to talk about the Blues and the Hawks?
5: Oh, I just made it. my team, Blues. A couple of things. Um, how far away is um Fisher and uh, Mark coming back, and also, how did Tom DeConing go yesterday? And and also, I heard the highly rated draft pick a couple of years ago was it Brody Kemp? How did he go?
2: Yeah, I don't have his numbers in front of me, Tommy. He did play uh, VFL at the weekend. Tom DeConing, I thought, showed some signs his first game back. As well, really like what he offers in the ruck for the the Blues. Just a different dimension, doesn't he, as opposed to Mark Pitnett. Jack Martin, I think, might play this coming weekend, Uh, Tommy. Jack Martin. uh, And Zach Fisher might be a little bit behind him. I think still a couple of weeks away with his ankle injury, Brody Kemp, 17 touches, eight marks in the VFL, Tommy. So big raps on this kid. Uh, first round draft pick going back a couple of years, of course, and arrived at the club with a knee injury and then had a setback in January this year. So Brody Kemp finally up and running in the VFL, had the 17 touches and eight marks at the weekend. He'll take some time to get some match fitness behind him. Thanks for your call there, Tommy. Should we try Glenn again in uh, Glenn Waverley? Glenn, have you got us this time? Yeah, you got me, mate. Far away.
6: Yeah, I was just thinking with the uh, the deliberate out-of-bounds, uh, um, Just you wouldn't want to do this for every decision, but, you know, the, the howler always seems to come with the deliberate. And I'm thinking, like, could you have a situation like the arc where you've got three or five or seven or an odd number of umpires who can just press a button, everybody, you know, looks at the screen and sees what decision they've made and it's yay or nay and go crazy.
2: <laughs> like a diving platform or something where you get an 8.5, a 9.5 and a 9.9, Glenn.
6: Well, it doesn't have to be a rating system, but, you know, it's just yes or no because they've decided and, and you know, the, the majority wins.
2: I like a lateral idea. Thanks for calling in, Glenn. Appreciate it. Um, actually, announcement just been made as well concerning the Rising Star nominee for Round 10. There was a lot of love again for Nick Cox at the weekend after his, what was it, 14-touch, two-goal game and uh, maybe nine marks as well to go with it. But it's gone to Cody Waitman, who did turn some heads All the way back uh, in the Western Bulldogs demolition job. He's been announced as a rising star for round 10. The the buzzy forward for the Western Bulldogs. So well done. He's been in some good form of late. So Cody Waitman gets the nomination and the wait goes on for Nick Cox at the Essendon Football Club. Surely the body of work's becoming hard to ignore. Nevertheless... Uh, the wait goes on. We'll take a break when we get back on the other side of this. Saints fans, I wouldn't mind your feedback about where you think your side is at the rut they seemingly can't get out of. 1300 736 736 or the Temper Text machine is 0433 11 16. Simon Lefley, the chief operating officer. Well, he put himself up to speak to the media today and made some interesting comments. We'll dissect a few of those on the other side of this break with all things St Kilda on time on right after this.
1: Sen, your home of sport. It's time on. Some pretty good people in that room now with our, you know, our, our club psych in Ben Robbins and, and David Rath that are encouraging much richer conversations than we used to have in those groups. So it's, um, that's why I'm a bit late now. We had a, a good conversation um, and some op- open questions about how to make the program better. And, and that's on me, um, that the program is not delivering at the moment. Um, but as I said, this is not a... Often when you lose by 110 points, uh, you, one of the questions you'll ask is, has the coach lost the players or is this a disintended playing group? Well, it's 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 the exact opposite. So uh, that's a good thing because you can eliminate that, uh, but it leaves lots of questions as to how to sort the rest out, which is, um, yeah, we're going to spend this week doing it and, and many weeks to come. But, um, yeah, we're, we're looking for a response against the Kangas.
2: That was St Kilda Chief Operating Officer Simon Lean earlier today, putting himself up to speak to the media. He was adamant. Coach Brett Ratton had not lost the players and, as you heard there, even took personal responsibility for the side struggles. And aren't they a struggle at the moment? Incredible to think just 12 games ago, St Kilda dug so deep to outlast and eliminate the Western Bulldogs from the Premiership race and to claim their first finals win in a decade. In the 11 games since, the top-of-the-table dogs have become the Premiership favourites with a 9-1 record and the Saints are wallowing in 14th. At four and six. And the most recent of those six losses came against the team, of course, that the Saints knocked out of last year's finals. The Dogs, and they were embarrassed. 111 points of their other losses this season. St Kilda, 75, 86 and 54 points. Uh, some of the heavy margins as well in that. Injuries have played a part, of course. Jade Gresham barely sighted out for the year. Ditto Ben Patton. Zach Jones can't get a clean run at it. Paddy Ryder had a slow start. Rowan Marshall can't get his foot right. Dan Hannaby just can't get out there. Jake Carlisle needs back surgery, but there's not too many clubs that haven't been hit hard by injuries this year. So St Kilda are hardly on their own there. I wonder what St Kilda supporters make of it all. It's been a pretty dramatic drop-off. And Jimmy is in Perth, who's been good enough to give us some of his time. What are you making of it all, Jimmy? Have I got you, Jimmy? Nope, we don't have Jimmy. We might. Uh... Oh, we got you, Jimmy. Not having a good run on the phone line, it's not, are we, uh, Jimmy? Sit tight if you are listening and you can hear us. We'll come back to you shortly. I suppose the Saints' free agency and trade results—they did win widespread praise, didn't they? But that approach is now being questioned. Given Max King in 2018, Hunter Clark in 2017 have been their only top 10 picks at the national draft since Paddy McCartan in 2014. The Saints have loaded up in the last two years. Outside the draft, and the likes of Brad Crouch, Jack Higgins, Butler Hill, Howard Jones and Paddy Ryder, James Frawley and Sean McKernan have also arrived as top-ups. We might get David King's comments shortly on Waitley this morning, but we might give Jimmy another crack. You there now, Jimmy?
4: Yeah, mate, You, yeah, I'm here this time.
2: Far away, mate. What are your thoughts on your Saints?
4: Well, I reckon the list is in not a bad shape. They've obviously had the talent for last year. They've improved on that. So it's easy to identify what the problem is. It's all about the confidence. They had high expectations of themselves at the start of the year. They had, as you just mentioned, they had some crucial outs early in the season. And then with the losses, they've looked at, looked at those as a bit of an excuse. And now they're attaching themselves to the missing players rather than focusing on what's there. And they've just now found excuses and are hiding behind those. And so it's easy to identify that. But how do I actually switch that around in their brains to get that form back? and get on that winning feeling. That's a completely different question. How Rats does that, it's going to
2: have to be a genius to do it. It's amazing, the drop-off, Jimmy. Thanks for your time. The percentage for St Kilda, 72.6. There's only one team with the worst percentage, and, of course, that's North Melbourne. So they've copped some heavy defeats this year. I appreciate your call, Jimmy. Tommy's in and Tommy, you also back for the Saints. What do you think?
0: Yeah, mate. Yeah, look, it's... it's. <laughs> I mean, being in St Kilda supporter, this is what happens... But um, I've been saying it for a few weeks now. I think um, young Max King should go back. He gets himself in the right spots, but he just can't clunk marks. I understand he's only played 20, 25 games, but he needs confidence along with a lot of his mates. But look, at the end of the day, I think Dermot Brereton summed it up really well a while ago when he said winning just isn't in St Kilda's DNA.
2: Surely it's not, surely it's not that simple, though, Tommy. It can't be. It was in their DNA last year.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you look at it; it comes into our DNA for one or two years, and then it just goes away. But what, but what St Kilda do as a club, and what we as supporters accept? Well, I don't do it anymore. Like, you're just got to stop accepting mediocrity. Do you know what I mean? And our club, our club, is built on mediocrity. We have one good year here, like we did last year, and one good year there, and it, and and they think it's okay. Like I go down to training most weeks and watch. You know, and they're snapping goals from the boundary and all this sort of stuff. Like, seriously, like, I understand there's, you know, sports science and medicos and all this sort of stuff. But go back to the old footy train and bring the mouthguards, boys, and <laughs> let's go. Do you know what I mean? Like, th- these players these days, they it's it's like they don't care. And and you get to a point, well, I'm at, I'm at the point now where it's just like, you know what? I don't care. I actually just don't care anymore. And I don't like... I, and, and it felt like that after Essendon, and then I think they would beat West Coast a week after. Um, but it's like, the, it's like they don't actually care because there's two things that you can bring to a game of football which absolutely take no skill whatsoever. One is your voice and communication, and your second is your effort. Right? They don't bring effort a lot of the time. Now, that is purely on them. That's not a game plan thing. That's not a coaching style. That's not a structural thing. That's not a setup thing. That's an effort thing. And they just choose not to bring that, like was shown. Saturday night against the
2: Bulldogs. No, you're right, Tommy. They do seem to pick and choose because they were witches at, at the weekend against the Dogs. But the week prior, of course, against Geelong, that was a – I know this could have, should have, would have – but excellent pressure through the roof in that game. And if they took their chances, they would have beaten the Cats at Marvel Stadium. So to go from, you know, mid-80s tackles to, uh, to being out-tackled, out-possessed, out-everything at the weekend – uh, against the Western Bulldogs, just such a dramatic drop-off in the space of seven days or a week's time. And that's what um, Simon Lethling was talking about as well today as part of that 15, 20-minute press conference. Just the gap between the, their, their best performance and output and their worst is just a, a huge gulf at the moment. I mentioned about the, their philosophy when it comes to list management, which, hand up, has won widespread praise, of course. So there is a pretty dramatic backflip here with the people who now criticise it. But Where does it leave them going forward is the question because this was David King on Jared Waitley this morning talking about the direction that St Kilda have taken and
3: the vision that they have. You've got to be in unison. Your whole club has to be in line with your vision and your vision has to be right. So right now, you've got no other option but to question the vision. No other option. So they've been absent from the top 30 picks in the draft for four years really. Okay, so whether you, whether you want to believe it or not, that will create a void at some stage. There will, in my opinion, and it won't change, you draft your own stars, you draft your own premiership opportunity. And every team that gets there at some stage has had a foundation of their talent base come from top 10 picks. Oh, well done. We had a great year. We made finals. It's about priming to win a flag. So, right now, that's who they are off field. They're in a world of hurt. Because the guys that they've cobbled together don't seem to have don't seem to have a buy in. They don't. They just it's erratic. It's it's yeah. So so the, so it makes you think. Is is this is this like a Ponzi scheme? Is it is this all is it all smoke and mirrors? David King there with Jared Waitley earlier on this morning. Just on that, the depth of
2: the club and the injuries they've had. Simon Lethlean discussed that earlier on today as well.
1: Yeah, I I'm not sure we overestimated. Um, our best 22 um, or our best 25. We're we're certainly without some players right now that we have have a big impact on how we go about things Uh, and um, we're testing our depth and that depth at the moment is not playing well enough. So, um, yeah, we've got a smaller list than last year. Um, We've got some players that are pretty important to us that aren't there, but um, it's not all about the talent list. Sometimes it's just about... um, how they gel together and how they get on with it. At the moment, it's been a a three week patch before this week that was actually reasonably acceptable, um, but the Bulldogs wasn't.
2: Simon so Lethleen, earlier on today, and I th- look Rowan. You can't overestimate uh, Rowan Marshall and Paddy Rodden and the difference they make when they are playing together. And the Saints just haven't had that. This year, that makes a profound, for mine, makes a profound difference to the way St. Kilda play and the presence they have in the midfield with their their two ruckmen out there. Uh, Matt's just texting, St. Kilda were touted as the big winners of the trade period two years ago and got Brad Crouch last year. What happened? Well, they also added uh, Jack Higgins as well. And then they went a little bit more left field with Sean McKernan, strictly for insurance purposes and... and, and um, Frawley as well who came across to provide some key position defensive depth um, so anyway that's where the Saints are at some serious work to do from them I like the fact that uh, Simon Lethling front of the media today and answer questions for 15 or 20 minutes you're welcome to have your say on that throughout the rest of the show one 736 736 or 0 98 11 what has been grinding your gears from the weekend this is how we finish the show each and every week something's got under your skin over the course of the weekend or stayed with you or bothered you we're happy to play counsellor for you here before we wrap up the end of the show so give us a buzz What's been grinding your gears from the weekend? Not just in footy, but in sport. You can get it off your chest before we leave you and, and hand over at 7 o'clock to Sammy Hargroves. one 736 736 Fire through a text or two as well. 433 98 1116 We'll talk some grinding of gears right after this on Time On.
1: Home of sport. Time on. You know what really grinds my gears? No! God, please, No! No!
5: think somebody owes us an explanation
3: that's all are you too good for your home answer me
2: i don't mind this time of the show i'll be honest with you everyone loves a whinge and a moan from time to time so we thought we'd provide a little platform for you to do exactly that what has been grinding your gears from across the weekend in uh, sport whether it be domestically or internationally or both and specky wants to open the batting we got him out on the road how you doing there specky
4: yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? Going well. Uh, I don't know how you feel, but I just riding my gears is the Carlton Footy Club. I'm a uh, passionate blues man. And I still get the feeling that they're going to have a big back half of the year. Now, in the last month, it's cost me three lunches on Friday with my colleagues at work <laughs> because I've, I've, I've backed them at the line or whatever. <laughs> and I just I want to know what you think. As far as are they are they ready to potentially maybe win seven out of the next twelve and maybe get eleven wins and, and sneak in?
2: Oh boy, where do you start with this, uh, Specky? I thought they'd be further advanced than what they are. I'll be honest. To put my hand up, I've been pretty disappointed with what they've shown this year. The losses they've had have been to some quality. But how much longer can you say that about Carlton before they should actually be quality? It's been the never-ending build. Yes, they've had injuries, we know. Uh, it'd be fantastic to see Charlie Kernow. heaven forbid, actually take the field and partner Harry Mackay. Heaven forbid have uh, have uh, Mitch McGovern out there as well and, and Zach Fisher at their feet. Jack Martin's got polished. So they've been hurt by injury, of course. They've had so many coulda, shoulda, woulda moments and little lapses in games where they've otherwise been good. It's a big game this weekend against the Sydney Swans up there at the SCG. This is one they should be winning on the road up there at the SCG on the, on the Sunday mid-afternoon. So this is a, another big test for them. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. Four and six. So in in raw terms, win-loss. I would have thought they'd be a little bit further advanced um, at the start of the, the season. So, yeah, they've been grinding my gears. And, Specky, I suspect you, you're not on your own with that either. Uh, grinding my gears. Luke and Karim has texted in. What more does Nick Cox need to do to get some recognition as a Rising Star nominee? He does have a pretty handy body of work, uh, Nick. Uh, Luke, I'll give you that. He's been close a number of times. This time, he had 14 disposals. He had two goals, the two tackles, and he took nine marks in that destruction of North Melbourne. But there was another destruction at the weekend. It was St Kilda's demolition uh, or getting demolished by the Western Bulldogs and young Cody Waitman from the Dogs. Pretty similar set of numbers there. 14 disposals, two goals, six marks as well. And they gave it uh, to Cody Waitman. So Nick Cox, the wait goes on. What grinds your gears off the text? Collingwood playing sideways football irritates me. Playing like Little League. I've got to say, it is hard to watch Collingwood at times. They're almost refusal to... To go quick through the corridor, there's a real obsession with going sideways there and it it caught them out a couple of times. David Noble's kick intercepted sideways. David Noble. John Noble's kick uh, going sideways and being intercepted by Sam Palpepper. You just felt yourself screaming at the TV, didn't you? Saying, go forward, go forward. So that's something that uh, is irritating many Collingwood supporters. Alex is texting, why can't everyone play each other once? ...before moving on to play other teams. He says, it annoys me. By round 18, we would have a great idea who are the Premiership favourites. Um, so keep your texts coming through on all that. What about Dino and Redland Bay is texting for what's grinding his gears? Damien Harwood complaining about the free kick differential. I don't support either side, but I rewatched the first half of the Brisbane-Richmond game... ...and my audit found Brisbane were shortchanged. On balance, they should have received a net gain of three to four first-half free kicks. Dino in Redland Bay going back over it. This was, if you missed it, I'm sure you didn't, Damien Hardwick at halftime on Channel 7.
1: Yeah, 6.21 free kicks, mate. It's pretty hard to win the ball when you're either second to it or the not going our way. we just got to get the ball going our way. We've got a young midfield, we understand that, but we need to start getting a little bit of luck, I reckon. Grinding
2: My Gears is a negative response to Collingwood. I thought we'd get pumped by 10 goals. Grundy was massive. He certainly was. He was huge. Got the 10 coaches votes as well. The perfect 10. Ed and Quainall won the majority of one-on-ones as well as providing forward movement from the back half. Great games from McCreary and Poulter. Did kick a nice clutch goal, Poulter. We lost by a point to a finals contender with goey Invisible and Pendlebury far from his best. I honestly don't know what people want. Well, your own coach came out and said it. They don't want to be a nearly their team. They want to get the wins. That's all that matters. And they did have that game largely in their keeping, to be honest. But, yeah, it wasn't a bad performance from the Pies. I'll give you that. What was bad, though, was the crowd. Another disappointing uh, crowd result, I would have thought, for Collingwood. Coming up, though, Sammy Hargraves is coming up. He wants your heroes and villains. Jump on the line now. Back with more time on next Monday at 6. We'll catch you then.